Grab your Bibles and open to Romans chapter 12. I know we've been in Romans 12 for quite a long time, and it, we've exegeted every single verse in Romans 12, sometimes twice. And um, what I want to do today is actually take the whole of the book and put it back, or whole of the chapter and put it back together for us, because sometimes in our exegesis, we get so myopic, singularly focused, so deep into one thing that we fail to see the big thing that's actually going on in a chapter or in a, in a book, and as a pastors today, we didn't want to just race through the Bible. We wanted to be able to actually pause and put it together. So that's what we're doing today. Last week, I addressed uh, this congregation. I don't know if you were here or if you weren't here, but uh, we talked about uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 7, which is what we said is one of the theme verses of Romans altogether. It says, uh, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. I stood here on stage with a, uh, you know, one of those pop signs that I love. I love the one that our ushers and greeters hold outside that says there's a smile under this mask. That one makes me chuckle every single time. Uh, but I stood out here on a stage with one of those signs that just simply said, welcome home. And, and said, you know, this verse right here, welcome one another. Therefore, the biggest therefore in Romans, I think, I mean, 5-1 could, could argue with it. But welcome one another is welcome home. Welcome to the table around God's presence where God is. Well, welcome one another to your table. Eat with one another. Drink with one another. Live life with one another. It's a way that we celebrated not only the return to corporate worship, but also the rallying cry of the Christian church. And God has always desired for his church to reflect the gospel of Jesus, in which it brings together people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Which is, if you think about it, how you found your way into the in-group of God's family. Like if it wasn't for the fact that the gospel allows people from every tribe, tongue, and nation to come together, who of us here belongs not a Norwegian Swede whose family immigrated to America in the late 1800s. Not this guy. Don't belong in God's family. And yet because of the peace that we have with God, uh, now no, there's no more distinction ethnically in the terms of who God's people are. He has brought together people from every corner, which is good news for you and me. Amen. Say that, just say it out loud. That's good news. It's good news. You're welcomed into this family. And Paul in Romans gives us incredible detail about how you've been welcomed into this family, how you have been saved. And all of it describes how in Christ, you know, we've been welcomed to the table into God's family to be home with him. Romans 5, 1, I say it this way, therefore, another therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. All throughout Romans, there's this beautiful picture of peace with God, this sort of vertical peace with God. It's this message that changes our lives and our futures and shapes our relationship with God. But I fear sometimes we think that's the entire story, that me and God are good. My mom desperately wanted me to get into the um, Chronicles of Narnia when I was in middle school. She desperately wanted me to get into, like, Tolkien when I was in middle school. And so I remember her sitting me down and reading to me all of The Hobbit. I hated it. Because my mom was like, you will listen, you will like it. And after we read The Hobbit, I was like, I don't know. She goes, well, maybe, maybe Lewis is more of your thing. So she gave me The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and I, I read just a couple pages of it. And I concluded that 
The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe was just some story about some kids who went off to some stodgy professor's house and had to figure out how to live. Closed the book, said, I got the details, I'm good. And then they made a movie. Did you know there's snow in a wardrobe and like all this stuff that happens? Yeah. Welcome one another as God in Christ has welcomed you. That vertical piece of God is meant to be displayed out horizontally in the next chapters of our life in the gospel. So, so watch me. We ought not be just like people who open up a, a, a mythical story and read the first couple of pages thinking we know the setup is the entire thing. No, this is, this is a story. The gospel is a story about how God has allowed us to move forward into the next chapter of life as he works to restore all things through his son and by his spirit. And so, listen, church, one of my fears is that you would hear us at Bethel talking about racial harmony and, and you would imagine in your mind that this is just an invention of the liberal media that we as pastors have been suckered into believing and even parroting. And so you would dismiss these messages and this priority. You would dismiss them as a distraction from the good work of the good news when actually Paul has been quite on the nose about this being one of the main priorities of the church in Galatia, the church in Corinth, the church in Thessaloniki, the church in Rome. God is glorified when human beings love God and love all people. There is an agenda at work here. It's the agenda of God's kingdom, bringing everything back to a state of harmony with him. And God welcomes us home into this kingdom through Jesus, and he expects us to show the same life-changing, culture-shifting, mind-blowing friendship with people unlike us to the glory of God. I want to be in Romans here for a second, but it reminds me of that story of Jesus walking down the road in Jericho and seeing up in the tree this wee little man, Zacchaeus. And all around Jesus are these Jewish people, and um, Jesus singles out the one dude who's kind of in bed with the Romans. He's a, a Jewish person who's a tax collector, which is like the worst form of Jewish person in the day. Like you're a traitor and you're taxing me for the benefit of those other people. And Jesus looks up at him and he says, I must come. If you look at the story, look at that word. It says, must come. I must come to your house. And Zacchaeus, the text says, he hurried down because he wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. And so Jesus goes and he spends time with him at the table. Zacchaeus welcomes Christ into his home. And in so doing, Zacchaeus is changed to the point where he says, woe is me, I'm a sinful man. If I have defrauded anyone, I'm going to give it back. And if I've ripped anyone off, I'm going to provide, technically the word is reparations, four times over. The, the Greek there is actually justice. I'm going to do justice for anyone who, I, who I've ripped off. And what is Jesus' response to this? He says, surely salvation has come to this house. He's saying, welcome home, Zacchaeus. You've understood that the gospel has to move not just you and me to be good, but you to be good with others. And there's this note that Luke tells us about where, where the religious people see Jesus going into the house of a sinner. And they get angry.
Ain't it just like religious folk to make a big deal about something that they're not included in? And, uh, my fear, you know, is that we live in a part of the region where this doesn't feel like a problem. And we're angry because everybody else is talking about it. And we even read our theology against it. When in reality, Jesus has been doing this the whole entire time. So this morning, back to Romans 12. Um, I want us to rest on this idea that God cares that we work towards the goal of racial harmony in the body of Christ. And here's what I'm going to show you. It's, it's based in the mercy of God. It's powered by the grace of God. And it triumphs in the love of God. I'll say that again. Racial harmony, the way we love God and then we love all people, is based in the mercy of God. It's powered by the grace of God. And it triumphs in the love of God. You say, Dan, where do you get that? All right, well, let's, let's just dig in. Verses 1 and 2 of Romans 12. It says this, and I want to put this under the heading of racial harmony is based in God's mercy. My whole goal today is just that you would leave today going, not a fictitious CNN headline rooted in God's word, okay? That's my whole goal for you today is to be bought into the fact that God cares that we live harmoniously of people of different ethnicities, and I want to show you that what we've already studied is proof for that, okay? So, so, so racial harmony is based in God's mercy. Here's what Paul says. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God. Everybody say, by the mercies of God. Not too loud. You don't want to give COVID. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice. I want you, if you have a Bible, maybe circle that word bodies. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Isn't that interesting? Something physical that you did here on earth becomes a spiritual thing to God. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I hope you see the mercy part loud and clear, right? That I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God. And this is a pivot point of the entire letter. I mean, I'm bringing it back a couple weeks to when Pastor Steve preached this. Chapters 1 through 11 are doctrines of salvation, how God saves and, and how does Paul summarize all of chapter 1 through 11? He summarizes it with one word, mercy. By the mercy of God. What we deserve is wrath. Chapters 1 and 2 are very, and 3 are very clear about that. But what we get is mercy because Jesus took the wrath for us. Amen? That's such an amazing thing. In light of that, then we are to present our bodies as Christ was a sacrifice for us, we are to give back to God all that we have, all that we are. And, and maybe this is where I've lost you because you're used to reading Romans chapter 12, verse 1 as a command to lay down your lives to worship God. And that's true, but the way Paul words this, it's less about the individual and way more about the congregation. He's not calling you, know, you Daniel, to lay down your life on the altar, which he is calling you, but that's a plural you. In the South, they say y'all, right? I appeal to y'all, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your, all your bodies, collectively, to the altar. Which means he's not just asking the Jewish people to lay down their lives for the mission of God. And he's not just asking the Gentile people just to lay down their lives for the mission of God. There's a unified call to both the Jew and the Gentile to present their whole selves to God. And I think this is both hiding in plain sight and obscured at the same time. 
It's obscure because we think of our bodies as us, individually. You know, Dan Jacobson surrendering to the mission of God in my life. But, but it's really the collective church. And then I say it's hiding in plain sight because on a base level, when we talk about racial harmony, what are we talking about? We're talking about, by and large, bodies. Right? I mean, can't we acknowledge the fact that there's some superficial, surface-level, skin-level to this conversation. It's about bodies. And bodies are both nothing to us and everything to us. Right? I mean, we're embodied people whose lives consist of embodied experiences. I'm glad that you're at an embodied worship service right now and not just watching on live stream. Amen, right? Like, thank the Lord for that because embodied realities are better than virtual realities. We have a psychosomatic unity of mind and body. And we as Christians, we worship an embodied Savior who accomplished our redemption through the death of his body and the resurrection of his body from the dead who promises us in the future glorified bodies. And that's good news because the more times I say the word body, the more body conscious you become. And we all want a better beach body. And I've snacked my way into a quarantine body and we can all be really ashamed of our bodies. (laughs) I want you to know this. You are more than your body. But you're not less than your body. Genesis 1 and 2 shows us that God fashioned our bodies to his liking and his image, and yet sin broke our perception of our bodies. And the first thing we did in our newly enlightened state after eating the fruit was to hide our bodies. We did not treat the body with respect because the body is divine. Rather, because the body reflects a part of the image of God that we recognize as sacred. That's why we value bodies. Salvation, then, isn't just about our souls. No. Jesus' body was crushed not just for our spirits to be saved, but what Paul says in Romans 8, verse 11, so that we can have life to our mortal bodies. Which means there's a dignity to this life here on earth that followers of Jesus are committed to living out and pursuing, particularly as it relates to injustices done against the body. We call out injustices such as sex trafficking or pornography, And we work against them, right? We call it injustices such as a lack of clean water to places where bodies need clean water. We call it injustices of brutality and violence. And we call out injustices such as racism, which are all predicated upon the worth of an individual based upon the color of their body. And I really don't have a time to give us a treatment of world history starting in the 15 or 1600s and progressing on even to today. Um, But for centuries, people, particularly in the historical narrative of America, have ranked and rated others and then subjugated them based upon the color of their bodies, enacting all sorts of violence and wrongs against fellow image bearers. I would highly recommend to you, if you want to think more about this, the book uh, Color of Compromise by Jamar Tisby. He does a great job giving a Christian perspective of this. And if you're not a reader, how have you survived quarantine? Um, You can go on Amazon Prime if you have Prime, which I know you do. uh, And you can watch an eight-part video series of Jamar talk about it. It's called Color of Compromise. But I, I, I digress. Here's where the mercies of God push us towards racial harmony. 
That for Paul to tell the Roman house churches that are made up of Jewish ethnicities and Gentile ethnicities uh, to offer themselves as the living sacrifice, he was in part telling them that God's mercy and the gospel cause us to lay down whatever rights and privileges we think we may deserve based upon our ethnicity. That's to say we are citizens of heaven before we are citizens of anything else. Before we tout our Norwegian heritage, right? Before we tout our Italian heritage, our Dutch heritage, before we tout what school we went to or where we graduated from or where we work or what neighborhood we belong to, we are proclaiming that my body, my individual life has been laid on the altar of God's mercy and I'm a member of first of God's family now. And that corporate body is at his disposal to change the world. Therefore, I'm a citizen of Heaven first and foremost, and a member of the family of God who has adopted children into that family from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And that's how I, a Gentile, can be hopeful for my future. What this means is that we are denying the mercies of God in our lives when we disparage or we ignore injustice that is in anyone's life because they don't look like us or come from the same places as us. For the Roman church to hear Paul say, therefore, Brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, present your bodies as living sacrifices. And for the Jewish people to go like, yeah, just Jewish bodies, would have been to deny the entire mercies of God in the first place. Only then, I think, when we actually realize what God is calling us to, to love him wholeheartedly and to welcome all people into the family of God, then we see what is good and pleasing and perfect in the will of God. Racial harmony is based in the mercies of God, and Romans 12 has a lot more to say to us, and I'll move along quickly. It tells us that racial harmony is powered, powered by the grace of God. It's powered by the grace of God. If you're taking notes, just write that down. Racial harmony is powered by the grace of God. What do you mean? Well, since we've given God our bodies, collectively as churches, but also as individuals, we are now members of the family of God first and foremost before we're even considering ourselves a political allegiance or some sort of communal allegiance. We are members of one body. Look at this in verses 4 through 6, exactly what Paul says. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are, everybody say it with me, one body in Christ. And therefore, we're individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. And then he goes on to explain some of the gifts. So not only is it all for one, that is all the Christians creating one body in Christ, we are one for all, individually members of each other. This is super lame, but I've been really angry about this the past couple of days. I've had mosquito bites on my legs. I hate summer. Why did I ever ask God to bring summer around? Because I forgot that, you know, we deal with snow in the winter and mosquitoes in the summer. And this is so lame, but um, twice this past week, I woke up in the middle of the night, like, scratching my leg. You know, it woke me up. A mosquito bite woke me out of my sleep. I don't even wake up for my kids. <laughs> A mosquito bite did the impossible. Interrupted my life. When one part of your body is hurting, it affects the whole, right? The opposite is also true. My whole life I've struggled with poor posture, and I know I slouch. Sometimes I've worked 
um, out my core. I said sometimes I work out my core and my back. And I notice that when I do, I, my posture improves, right? Because one part of my body getting stronger strengthens the rest of my body. And um, as one body has many members, we all are in Christ. Therefore, we are within, in one another. And where we hurt, we hurt together. And when we strengthen, we strengthen together. What is it that Paul is saying brings us together as one? Well, it's, it's grace. Look at verse 4, circle it. By the grace given to me, I say, and then verse 6, look at it. Having different gifts according to the grace given to us. There's something about this grace that powers this oneness. This isn't something that we've made up. No, no. Racial harmony is powered by the grace of God. It isn't powered by the Black Lives Matter movement. Racial harmony isn't powered by integration into the same school districts. Racial harmony isn't powered by sports or culture. No. Racial harmony is powered by the grace of God. That in giving us his son who was born of a Middle Eastern Galilean baby of Jewish descent, that he would reconcile himself Jew and Gentile. Romans 2 argues that the Gentiles need grace because the law is self-evident. Romans 3 argues that the Jew cannot bank upon the supremacy of Judaism and circumcision, which is bodily legalism. No, Romans 3 says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And then verse 29 says, Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, Gentiles also, since God is one, who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised by faith. Grace has come so that God can be both the Savior of Jew and Gentile, which means if we're going to make strides in living this life on earth to please God, we need to lean into the grace from God and grace, give grace to one another. Right, like don't you just wish Facebook was a place of grace-giving? Like, enough truth-telling, everyone. Let's get some more grace going on. It means when one part of the body is hurting, we come together in grace to support that part. Grace, it's unearned kindness. You didn't deserve it, but you're part of our family, so you get it. Just like we didn't earn salvation from God, and yet he offers it to us. So I want to just push this pretty specifically here. George Floyd's death created instant pain among our African-American brothers and sisters. And the question is, how should white and brown Americans respond? Like a body. Come around. Show that we hurt as they hurt. Reinforce love and value. In so many conversations that I've had with people of color and particularly members of the African-American community, the theme I keep hearing is that they just want to be heard and understood and known that they're worthy. Are they worthy? Yeah. And they're hurting. The question is, will we come around them? Will we hear them? Will we hurt with them? Will we walk with them. You say, Pastor, I don't think I have it in me. Well, this is the great part about Romans chapter 12, verse 4, is that uh, whatever the grace of God has given to you, I think I've jumped backwards, whatever the grace of God has given to you in faith, use that. 
Paul says whether it's prophesying, prophesy, whether you know, it's, it's uh, acts of mercy, you show acts of mercy. Whatever it is, the gift that God's given you, he's already enabled you to do the thing that he's calling you to do. You don't have to make excuses. You just got to step into the space just to be there. I, um, I feel like you guys have nowhere to be, so I'm going to tell you this story. Uh, sorry to just totally disrespect your time. But I remember one, uh, one May day a couple of years ago, there was a man in our church who I had been spending a lot of time with trying to help disciple him. And um, I was supposed to meet him right here in my office, and he was sitting in his car kind of late in the evening. And um, I had gotten a call from a, a church family member saying their mother had just died in the hospital. They wanted a pastor to come. And I didn't want to lose the opportunity to meet with this guy, but I also had to minister to this person. I said, this is great. Let's, I'll bring him with me. And I told him, I said, hey, man, get in the car. We're going to have a, a field trip. And I probably should have told him that we're going to the hospital to pray with a family. I didn't. And so his shock and horror, when we walked into the hospital, he said, what are we doing here? I said, a, a family member from our church has just passed away, and we're just going to pray with the family. He goes, I'm not qualified to do that. And I resonate with those feelings because I know my own inadequacies, right? I know I'm not always the most perfect bedside manner. I, I make jokes when I feel uncomfortable, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I feel that. And I said, man, let's pray. Let's pray that God will give us the words right now. And so we prayed, and then we stepped into a room. And there was a beloved mother who had not, you know, she had breathed her last breath. And there was a bereaved group of three sons and daughters standing around the bed. She was a believer. It was a joyful moment for them. And we prayed. And in the middle of it, this man prayed. His prayer was better than mine. <laughs> How is that? Because he didn't think he had the gift of mercy, but God was showing him in this space that you feel uncomfortable. You have something that these people need. And so if it's powered by God's grace, we ought to use the gifts that we have and get into the space. Racial harmony is based in God's mercy. It's powered by God's grace. And finally, we see this in Romans 12. I'm going to move us along. Racial harmony, it triumphs in God's love. It triumphs in God's love. It says, I want to read all of this to you. I want you to hear how God's love wins. <clears throat> he says, let love be genuine. The non-hypocritical love, right? This is the title. Abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Man, I wish these were written on cardboard posters and held up at protests. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in the spirit and serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Notice this. You put a huge underline under this. Uh, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, Live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. 
To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will uh, heap burning coals on his head. And then he summarizes it this way. to, to, To cap up this whole entire section. This is an inclusio, right? He says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome. Triumph. Win the battle over evil. How? Well, with good. With good. This love that is genuine will show this love when we hate evil and cling to what is good. This love will overcome evil. It will triumph with good, which means for us that racial harmony will triumph in God's love. It's got to come from God's love, not just our love. If I could highlight just a few of these phrases for us, it says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. H.B. Charles is a pastor down in Jacksonville, Florida, and he had a quote that floated around Facebook this week saying, the Bible tells us to weep with those who weep. It doesn't tell us to judge why they're weeping. No, love enters the emotion of others. I wonder, can you honestly say that you've entered the emotions of a community that's looked different than your own? When we do, harmony triumphs in love. Or notice this, don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Haughty, it means superior thinking. It means, if I can be very stark and possibly offensive, it means don't be a supremacist. I know nobody here is a supremacist. I just want to point out in the Bible that that word exists so that when these words come up, we have a context for them. Don't think higher of yourself than you ought, but instead pursue actively those who are of low status in society and invite them into your lives around your table. How does love win? Well, when the gospel of God's mercy and the power of God's grace, Christians of every walk of life reach out to one another. When you grill up those three racks of ribs later today and you invite your neighbor who maybe doesn't have anything in common with you over and you welcome them in and you pursue to associate with them even though they're the neighbor with the reputation. Don't think higher of yourself. Associate with the lowly. In that, God's love is triumphing. How about this? Outdo one another in showing honor. It means take the lead in honoring others. Then counterintuitively, You don't lose honor when you show honor. Honor is a rising tide that rises all ships. I saw a picture of this last week in the rally in Hobart, the peaceful protest that happened in downtown Hobart last Saturday, where Pastor Sam Abbott, and many of you know Sam, he's a pastor of a church here um, in Hobart for a long time. He took the moment to honor the organizer of that rally, a young black man who's from our community. He graduated from Hobart High School not too long ago. Sam sat him down in front of everyone and said, brother, we love you. We want to show a sign of respect to you. And he goes, in our church tradition, we have a practice called anointing your feet. And I want to do that for you now as a sign of honor. So Sam got to his knees and he washed this man's feet and expressed Christian love. I talked to Sam this week and I said, man, I've never been more proud of the body of Christ at large than in that moment. Watching from a distance. 
watching Sam outdo us all and show him honor. The organizer of this rally was trying to show honor to our community while pointing out the inequalities that abound, and Sam outdid him in honor by showing him love and concern for someone crying out for injustice. What was the result? Neither one of them lost. More honor abounded. More conversations progressed. I think this is what it means to overcome evil with good. We don't stop or stoop to the tactics of wickedness, but instead we bring them worth and dignity and value to every image bearer because God's love is for them too. It reminds me of the oft-quoted words of Martin Luther King Jr. I know that sometimes people who look like me who quote Martin Luther King Jr. are looked at certain ways, but he's so quotable I have to quote him. He said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Friends, there's been a question about where our church is headed in the future. The answer is that we're heading where we've always headed, to revelation. Our Bibles tell us that one way or another, God will bring about the restoration of all things, and at the end, Jesus wins, and the world will worship him. Amen? What's awesome about Revelation is that there's very specifically that mention that around the throne of the Lamb, there are members from every tribe, tongue, and nation. They're worshiping in one body this vision of Romans 12 lived out perfectly in the future. And we're moving towards that. We're moving to where the Bible would have us move. We're moving to where God's gospel would push us in this life. If that's an uncomfortable vision for you, You don't have a problem with church. You have a problem with God. We are moving towards unity in the body, not schism. We are moving towards learning and understanding, not silence and ignorance. We are moving towards engagement, not indifference. We are moving towards the mission field, not away from it. We are moving toward good, not evil. While we have a long way to go, um, Pastor Steve, Pastor Mark, Pastor Dexter, and myself, we were touched by this email that I want to read to you just as I conclude from a member of our church. She happens to be African-American. I share this with her permission. She said, um, as an African-American woman, I'm so pleased to be associated with Bethel Church. Over the years, your messages have addressed racism as a sin, and it's touched the depths of my heart. And some of the statements you made even brought me to tears Because believe it or not, it's rare to see Caucasian believers boldly condemn racism. And I pray that God will continue to use Bethel to reconcile the body of Christ. Racial reconciliation in the body of Christ is overdue, she says. And I hope and pray that Bethel will not only speak of bringing believers together, but will walk in it. And she says, as Janet Parshall stated, Janet Parshall is on the radio and Moody, she said, all of us need to realize that racism isn't a political but heart issue. And every heart issue is an issue for the body of Christ. I urge you to continue to be bold and courageous. This isn't going to be easy. And if it hasn't happened already, you will get backlash and persecuted for speaking of this. 
May our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, continue to bless you, your family, and Bethel Church to be a beacon of hope and an example for others. Sincerely, her name. We got that note this week, and it was such a breath of kindness towards us. It was such an encouragement for us to take more steps forward, to seek to discern what matters and seek to discern what forward even means. But here's the question. Why will we do this? Because racial harmony is based in God's mercy. It's powered by God's grace. And it triumphs in God's love. It's the outworking of his gospel. What is the gospel? That God in his mercy, God in his grace, God in his love has overcome the enemy for us. And so he allows us to walk out in life. So many different things, and this is but one aspect of it. May we do so. To God be the glory.